Hi, welcome to Italian Women and the Stories We Tell with Erica Martin and Diane Bovolino. So today we're continuing our conversations with life as an empath. All of the glorious wonder and absolute confusion that comes with living an empathic life. And in case you've missed our first two segments that we did previously, it talks a little bit about signs um, of what it's like to be an empath, things that you may be dealing with. And so today, Thank you for all the questions and comments that have been written in. We're going to talk more about how confusing it is to be an empath and how sometimes it can be maybe overly diagnosed as something else or underdiagnosed as other things. And so, um, I don't know, Diane, you want to want to kick off the conversation? I do. So um, first, I want to just let you guys know, in case I wasn't clear, I'm an empath and so is this girl over here. So um, I know we like to talk about what, what makes us experts. Right now, we're not saying we're experts, but, but we can tell you we're both empaths and we've lived some years as empaths. And I did not know as an empath. So what I wanted to talk about is I always thought I had social anxiety. I think so many empaths think that they have social anxiety because the symptoms are, are absolutely the same. The things that they struggle with are absolutely the same. And I also think as a therapist, if you don't mind jumping oh, no, in here real quick, no, as a therapist, um, it was not something I ever thought to look for or screen for when I was meeting with a client and they'd come in and they'd say, hey, I have social anxiety. I'm in a situation where anytime I'm in a social event, I'm feeling overwhelmed. It like drains all my energy. I'm exhausted. You know, and sometimes it can be intermingled with depression or a host of other um, mental illnesses or diagnoses. Now having been on this journey, I'm a lot more knowledgeable to look for and ask probing questions around, are you empathic? Are you a highly sensitive person? Because oftentimes that's really what's at play and it's not just your typical social anxiety. And so we both have yeah. suffered with that significantly. And I'm, it's like, yes, we do feel anxious in social situations, but the, there is a direct cause as to why we're feeling anxious in social situations and it's still yes I can go to social situations people are like come on you are so you are so social Diane and yes if we were and we were talking about that before yeah. you know before we were pulling our segment together here and we love to be social but yet it's I love to be social I'm even going to get closer to Miss oh, Diane yeah, please, that. Over, right, I love to be I love to be social with Miss Diane but in, at the end of, it's like energetically, and as an energy healer, I wanted to talk about that piece, is energetically, I can be so, in a, and I'm talking about not like one-on-one -on -one when I'm social or in my small group of close friends, but when I'm in a large group socializing, at the end of that function, I'm, I'm exhausted. Yeah, I mean, depending upon the magnitude of the event or how long it's sustained or whatever, there would be times where it would be like a day or two where I'm like, I'm just so mentally spent. I can't, I can't even get it together, but I didn't understand why. And so now as we talk about understanding empaths, there's, there's a conversation to be had between, what is the difference? I think we talked about this. What is the difference yeah. between being a highly sensitive yes. person and being an empath? Well, in, in, the, in the most articulate, succinct way I could say that, it's that 
all empaths are highly sensitive people, but not all highly sensitive people are empaths. The distinct difference is, bless you, bless you. Um, The distinct difference is an empath will actually feel the other person's pain, frustration, whatever emotion it is, you actually feel it. It's kind of like you're fine and all of a sudden you get hit with a wave of something you're like, well, what's wrong with me? And then you might realize it's actually belonging to someone else. And so that's the distinction. Highly sensitive people may feel what's going on around them, maybe really in tune, but they're not feeling it as if they are the other person and experiencing it in that way. So whether you are a highly sensitive person or you're an empath, the same kind of rules apply in terms of being you know, exhausted, overwhelmed, how do you manage it? How do you protect yourself energetically, right? So whether you're an empath or a highly sensitive person, we're going to use the term empath as an all-encompassing thing, but not all things that apply to empaths may apply to all people who are highly sensitive. Does that make sense? Yes. And I, and we were talking about that before, because I was, I was saying to Erica, like, let's talk about, you know, what's the difference there? Because I always wondered, you know, myself, because an empath is highly sensitive. Yes. And so there are some really good reads out there. One is the empath survival guide, if anyone's interested in exploring it further. Um, and the other part is, is just because there are like the highlights and Diane ran through, Diane and I ran through them last time, like what are the key um, features of being an empath? What are some of the things to struggle with, etc.? You don't have to have all of them, you know, to qualify as being an empath. And you might find, well, I'm a highly sensitive person. I'm a highly in tune person, but I don't necessarily feel and take on energetically what other people feel. And that's okay. But you're taking it on in some way because you're acknowledging it, you're absorbing it, you're participating in that energy, whether you're conscious of it or not. So I guess part of our segment is really just about bringing this to your consciousness and then discussing ways on how to safeguard yourself, protect yourself or maybe even strategize ways on how to get other people to help you when you're feeling overwhelmed in that anxiety and in that energy. So I'll make sure, I'm pretty sure we started with, how do you know you're an empath? It's life is an empath. I believe it's episode seven. I'll make sure it's in our episode notes so you can go back and check it out. So I'll make sure to clarify that and put that in there. Um, so you can go back and listen. So we want to let you know that, um, but what's our next, you know? Well, the other part is, I, I think some of the questions that were raised were, well, how did I become an empath? You know, or what, what is the recipe? Oh, hold on a second. Speaking of recipes, you know who I have? Oh, who, who? Luigi Del Fuego. As we make recipes for a more delicious life here on our channel, he comes with all the right ingredients. Oh. I don't know why he's just too cute. We have to include him. Oh. He's a special guest speaker. Speaking of which, we're going to have more guest speakers coming on um, shortly. But people were asking, um, like, well, how does one become an empath? What is What are the ingredients? What are some of the things that kind of create an empath, so to speak? I think it happens. But I think so. If you're born one. I, I agree. I would take it a step further and say, I think we're all born with the capacity to be an empath. But there's only 2% of us in the world. And then people will say, well, there's only 2%. How do you all find each other? Energetically, we find each other, right? You know, listening to our podcast. Absolutely. I'm finding, I'm finding um, souls coming through my door at Lotus Soul Healing Arts. 
love it. Oh, same here. Same with my practice, uh, Martin Counseling. But the the joy is, is that once you start really understanding and participating in the importance of energy and how that energy is showing up in your life, showing up in your work, then it's like, I start collecting empaths like seashells at the beach. Like they're all beautiful and distinct and unique in their own way. And when I began to open up, I think you kind of open a door energetically for other people to begin to show up. So even though we may be a small percentage of the population, I believe wholeheartedly that we're all kind of hardwired to, to be able to connect energetically in any way that, in any way that we choose, I think it kind of gets conditioned out of us. You know, when you think about it, like all of our creativity, our uniqueness, our don't be so sensitive, like all these things kind of get, um, pushed away and it's more about like don't you know be strong do what you've got to do don't be emotional yeah, you know right. and as a young child you know when that becomes your message I think it becomes deconditioned out of our natural state do you, do you agree? yes I agree and that's why a lot of what you and I offer together is about which as you, the more you spend time with us the more you're going to find out about what we offer and we're delightful yes and that's about you know, coming back to the core of your authentic self. Yeah. Who you are, who you were meant to be and, and not all these layers, like peeling back layers of the onions, all the things we were taught or indoctrinated into you or our culture. We talked a little bit about that. Um, but, but the interesting fact about empaths, at least the data I've seen, the studies I've researched is that most empaths do come from pretty tumultuous family situations they usually have some history of childhood trauma. And so there's, there's two ways of looking at that. One could be, well, because they came from childhood trauma, they now have overactive imaginations and they're calling it being an empath. I guess we could argue you're free to think that. The other school of thought is because they grew up in tumultuous family situations where there was a lot of conflict or chaos, that young child learn to nurture their instincts right because there's beautiful right because there's always it didn't come from a beautiful situation but they learn to become hyper aware you know like if they're if let's say the two parents are fighting or there's alcoholism or drug addiction in the family or whatever it is that young child learns like through intuition and really honoring their intuition i know not to make any trouble over here i know mom or dad are in a bad mood over here or something's off and they, they rely on that intuition for survival, right? So it makes sense that as they continue to grow, that instinct becomes stronger. They have that hyper awareness. And then that becomes really more what we're calling an empath. So to me, the empaths I have seen, worked with, and met, I've had some degree of, of childhood trauma. That doesn't always mean that it has to be something horrific, but it can come from childhood distress, let's say. Chaos within the family, inconsistency in the family, a lack of emotional safety. So if they couldn't rely on the parents to give them what they needed, they had no choice but to rely on their own instincts, which is how they learned to survive and grow. And so if you're an empath out there right now listening to this or a highly sensitive person, it doesn't mean that's how this developed for you. I'm just saying, statistically speaking, there's a higher percentage of people 
who are empathic, who've had really that as a survival strategy. And that's just English. data. So and we all don't fit data. I right. mean, I'm not against the data. I, and that's why she's a counselor and I'm the energy healer. Um, it, yeah. No, so, yeah, but I'm yeah. just saying, I mean, yeah. it makes sense. No, it's good. Right. Makes a lot of sense yeah. to me because yeah. that child who has to be in that state of hyper awareness, like for their own safety and protection, has no choice but to rely right. on their intuition, right? Right. So the more they rely on that, the more fine-tuned it becomes, right? And then they kind of yeah. take that into their adult life. That's like their way of knowing and protecting. It's those that, let's say, weren't in those situations and had all of their fundamental needs met, they would never have to rely on their intuition. Because there would be nothing threatening. Right. Right? So yes, that's not an exact recipe. Right. I think you're born with it. Right. I agree. Um, I, I, the I agree. opposite could be true. You could be raised in a family that is really empathic and really fosters that in you from the beginning. There's an example of how it doesn't come from trauma, but somehow it's being nurtured. Somehow it's being brought to the surface. Right. Yeah. And that's where I'm just saying if there's, if you're that person out there, don't think that you're not an empath. Or that you have to have trauma yeah, or that yeah. empaths all come from a yeah. place of trauma. No, I agree with yeah, you. That's yeah. not the message. Yeah. But, but data is important, Yeah, but not all data. Right, not, not all of us fit in that. What am I trying to say? That box. Yes. I'm thinking about that. Oh, what do we learn in college? So, what is that? The hierarchy of needs? Yeah. I'm, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I'm thinking now. Oh, that's scary. I'm thinking. <laughs> So, you know, speaking of data, though, um, and not fitting into the box, we began by saying how many people are, social, are diagnosed with social anxiety, depression, and other things, and really it's a manifestation of... I diagnosed myself with social anxiety because I, I just wanted to run out, you know, of the party door most of the time. Well, me too. I just, I, I didn't understand why, though. I'd be, like, excited. It would be fun. I'd be looking forward to an event, and then I would get there. And I'm like, this is horrible. Like my, my chest would start pounding or I'd start getting like shaky or I'd go to talk and I would be like, I'm not even making any sense. Or I couldn't absorb what other yeah. people were saying. I was just so distracted, distracted and overwhelmed by everything and everyone going on around me that now that I know it though, I prepare differently going into those situations or I don't go into them at all. Really, if it's just not worth my energy to do that. Yes. Or you can like, or I learned to prepare, like you said, it took me much longer in life. And now I know I can help other people prepare. Yeah. Especially like young girls. I see, like I was at a gathering last night and the young girl was, you know, nervous. And I'm like, I know what you do. You just ask someone a question about themselves because everyone, everyone likes to, loves talk to talk about, about themselves. Well, nothing wrong with that. Oh, and I was like, she was so amazing though. I think she was like 16 and she's like, well, I'm fine talking to adults, but when I have to go talk to like someone my age, but she's like, I plan it out. But I'm thinking she's so, and I didn't think like that. I was just mm -hmm. like, like, you are amazing. I said to her, you know, the other yeah. part is, is if you have that significant other or close yeah. friend who really knows that you, you struggle with these things, it's like, to me, it's like, have a plan. Yes. Have a buzzword or something that you can say to that person other than, you know, I don't want to be here. <laughs> um, 
So, but like jelly beans, you know, chocolate chip cookies, whatever, like a word that could easily be integrated into it or just even tuck them aside and say like, really, I gotta go or I need yeah. to step out for a few minutes. Can you help me? Or That's I need to catch point. my breath or, or whatever, or just cover me, you know, or lead the conversation for a few minutes. Because those with, without social anxiety will most likely not even have a problem doing that and will understand. And it reminded me when Diana and I were doing prep work, if, if my former client is out there, I want you to know, I think of this story often. I think of you often. Um, but it was many, many years ago. It's, it was new in my career. And the, and the woman suffered with like the most profound oh. social anxiety, what, which is what we were calling it. Okay. Right? Because at the time, I really didn't know to question and look for empaths as part of this, right? So, so we're strategizing all these different ways. And her biggest... Um, complaint was that her significant other did not understand it, minimized it, poo-pooed it, was kind of like, get over it, you know, it's fine, have a drink, you know, whatever. And and she's like, I, I that that's not a solution for me. I just want you to understand. So after years of really trying to get the husband to understand, I said, I think you're gonna have to come up with a way that shows him what that experience is actually like for you. You know, I said, be creative and she's a real creative soul. I know you're out there listening. I know you are. Um, I bet she is. And she came back and she's like, okay, I came up with a creative way. And I said, what was it? She said, I sat my husband down. I had jump ropes that the kids were using. And I asked him to sit in a chair. I tied his feet up with the jump ropes. I tied his arms up with the jump rope. I started playing like loud, like Metallica music in the background. And I started hitting like pots and pans. And I was like, isn't this fun? Like, don't you just want to talk to me? Isn't this amazing? Like, that's great. And, and he was like, what are you doing? This is horrible. I feel totally overstimulated. And she's like, this is what it's like for me all the time. And he, he may not have understood why, but he understood as an experience. It wasn't just something that you're going to say like, okay, like stop feeling uncomfortable there. Right. Right. And I yeah. thought she did a brilliant, brilliant job yes. of doing that. And so getting our partners to at least try to get them to understand and if they can't at least get them to recognize like where your limits and boundaries are so that they can help support you because I think that's yes. huge mm -hmm. I agree because we both struggle with the same so when we're in a social event mm -hmm. maybe you're tapped out before I am or vice versa and I can come to you like our fundraiser or like other things that we've done socially right yeah I was exhausted after that I, I slept like the whole next day I was <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest, like, I think after I don't know how many hours I, I'm being honest, I, I was wanting to leave Yeah, because it was a lot to just, the noise, for me, like the noise, the bands playing, mm -hmm. and then the people, it was just a lot to take in being an empath. Well, and then on top of it, we were responsible for the event. We were the person to socialize. We were the person to make sure everything was running smoothly. We had all the behind yeah. the scenes kind of things and the venue. So so i'm so glad we did it by the way i just want to yeah. give a whole lot of love out to the ray kemper family i hope that you're seeing this and that you're doing well and it was we did well i mean for wednesday rainy evening i think we came in with over eleven thousand dollars for a few hours it so, wasn't rainy it was like a full-fledged you know storm yeah i mean <laughs> storm wind monsoon yeah i mean that's <laughs> people came thank you yes thank yes. you um and so, in the end, I mean, like we put our heart and soul into it. We just didn't do a little thing. I mean, that was kind of a big event. Yeah. And 
I, I wouldn't have done it any differently. I mean, we were so blessed and, and the bands that donated their time oh, and, yes. and, you know, they had quoted us a price and then they got them and said, oh no, like we're not even going to charge you. Like it, it was a beautiful, beautiful day. But even in those beautiful moments, you know, I, I guess we're talking a lot about the anxiety and yes. the stress yes. part, but there's also the, the yeah. beautiful part of being an yes. empath is when you feel people's joy. Right. When you feel their excitement and their energy and, and that can really fuel you and, and boost you up. And that was kind of the jet fumes I was running off to get me through the rest of the event. Cause I was just feeling, you know, that love and energy from the family. But then the second we closed the doors and locked away, I was like, I felt too much for too long for too many people. I need to just unplug. Right. Because we don't want to be those two empty cups clawing around. Yes. And I just know the the electronic work that I put in getting the power. Oh my god, out, Diane! And the non-sleeping, which is not healthy, as we'll talk about for empaths. But I know for me, I mean, I don't think I, you know, could talk or text for what over a day, which isn't me, because <laughs> I connect. We connect a lot, but I would like I had to shut down, yeah. and then that wasn't even enough to refuel. Mm -mm. But um, but again, like you know, we put when we do things, I think also as empaths, I find I don't do things, I do things, I put everything, I put myself into it, I put my heart and soul into probably everything I do. We don't have way, because yeah. it's not possible to have way when you're an empath. So it really is another piece that we didn't even talk about, we're just getting into right now, which is another great, a great part, I would say, of our podcast, we we're, we're trying to plan things out a little bit because we really do shoot from the head, but we thought, oh, we better start planning a little bit now that we're really full-fledged to your podcast, yes. but still there's always going to be a piece that we're, we're just going to throw in there. Yeah. But, and and yeah. the feedback from others like motivates us to want to speak to things that we know you want to hear, right? That you're excited yeah. or interested in hearing. But the reason I think that, that empaths don't do things half-heartedly is because you're doing it for yourself, for the intended audience, for the intended yeah. person or people that you're doing something for. And when we don't give 100%, which is a dangerous thing actually, um, we feel like failures. We feel like we haven't satisfied our soul's purpose or we haven't, we haven't done things in like perfectionistic kind of, kind of way. And I think letting go of that was a big part of us showing up here getting rid of yeah. that perfectionism, giving your hundred percent. And it's okay if that hundred percent isn't perfection, but you know, for empaths, it's really hard. That perfectionistic kind of thread runs throughout all empaths. And if we do believe the premise, the data, that it goes back to like some childhood trauma and having to be always, what did you say? Dutiful daughter <laughs> or whatever. Um, it makes sense that that perfectionism would kind of tie into it as well. And it's not even like I would say that it was expected that I was supposed to be that. I think mm -hmm. some, I think I put a lot of myself and I know, you know, I've always just done that. But think about it. If, if we feel what everyone else feels and we do, then we feel the other person's disappointment in us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Or frustration or perceived even. It might not even be real, but that's like our projected. We're safeguarding from someone being disappointed in us. We're safeguarding from someone being frustrated or unhappy with us. 
And so I think that's really more of where the perfectionism comes from is like, I don't want someone else to be disappointed in me. I don't want to feel that disappointment because at some point we felt that somewhere. Yeah. Whether it was a teacher, right. Whether it was a friend, a situation. And so, so much, I think of our need to do things with that perfectionistic tendency is because we just don't want to feel that disappointment and then worse yet, we're responsible for it. Make sense? Yeah, and I think, and I don't know this, and that statistically, um, I would imagine empaths are, they're not are extremely intelligent, I would say, statistically. Yeah, they, they tend to be of higher intelligence and certainly more right-brained, like that more creative, um, communication-centered. But the last thing I saw is that they're like pretty equal in, in right and left brain, right? That right hemisphere that's all creative language oriented and the left side of which is logical and problem solving because you really would have to be both, I guess, to be that path right now. Yeah, it's like my brain doesn't, it's like I have to like expel a lot of this energy for this brain to shut down. Or it doesn't. <laughs> and they're pacing the floors and like, <laughs> When she and I first got COVID and we're in bed, go, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? Are we, what are we gonna do with our time? Can't just be laying here. Gotta do something, right? So, um, and here we are. We decided to do something valuable with our time. So you have some questions. Oh, I know. So, or you have some, who was wrote in? I think Liz. Liz, yes. Liz from, um, where is she from? Harrisburg? Yes, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Thank you, Liz. Um, okay, she's, okay, she wrote in, let me give this to you, Erica. She wrote in, so, um, Erica and Diane, I, I had to go to my boyfriend's work party. Um, and I'm not sure if I'm an empath. I've been listening to your, your podcast here, trying to figure that out. So I went to the party. I did not want to go to this party. I went to the party. Um, I think I had a good time, but for some reason, I'm, actually, I'm pretty sure I had a good time, but why, why did I sleep for two days? Like, like, what is the 411 she said? I said <laughs> for two days. Well, I think given what we talked about, that kind of explains. In, do you want to start? I mean, I feel like I'm doing a lot of the time. Well, yeah, I would say, Liz, I do believe you had, a, yes, you had a good time. But as an empath, you absorbed, you absorbed everyone's, um, everybody's energy first is the energy that you, you absorb their energy. Even um, when you're not conscious of it. Yes. That's the key. Even when you're hard. not conscious of it. You, um, then you expelled your energy while you're absorbing their energy, right? Then we're, we're expelling our energy and the energy around the actual event situation was there dancing music, you know, whatever. I mean, there, there's all of that environmental mm -hmm. stuff that's going on as well and then the time that you were then you had the time right also the time up to this event up to this event thinking about the event thinking about what you might talk about there what are you going to wear you know how are you going to process while you're there I mean that's all energy also being expelled and did she say it was an office party for yes. the yes. you know and that's the other yeah. part wanting to make a good impression maybe like how much stress or stress or pressure was put on you? Did the boyfriend say, oh, I really need, I'm not saying he did, but 
you know, I really need you to make a good impression or I want you to do this or this or we have to, you know, that's a whole other layer of And we stress. don't know how long she's been dating the boyfriend. Well, that's true too. Liz, you got to give, you know what? Feel free to write us back. We would love to hear this. And we could certainly respond in writing to elaborate on some of our answers. Yeah, look at episode again. I'll put it in the notes. I think it's episode seven to def- so we get that answer if you're an empath. Yeah, and sleeping for two days. I mean, is that the healthiest way? No. If you're sleeping for two days, you overdid it. That's the bottom line. If you if you're that exhausted, you overdid it. And I guess what I would like you to look at moving forward is empath or not empath or highly sensitive person, you're taking on and absorbing a lot. And so if you don't have a way of grounding yourself and relaxing, like Diane and I over the years figured that out, whether it's yoga or Reiki or meditation or acupuncture or, you know, um, therapy, whatever that may be for you, then it's like, it's just like, it keeps piling up and piling up and piling up and then there's no place for you to put it. So I'd say if you were that exhausted after that event, there was probably a lot more going on than just the actual event, but that was enough to kind of like tip it over. Um, or it could have just yeah. been that stressful an event, depending on how much emphasis was placed on meeting, you know, this person's work and colleagues and all, you know, and all of that. But, but you overdid if you were that exhausted. And so this is where it goes back to the part of the conversation, Diane, where I said, you know, let your partner know, you know, sometimes there's that embarrassment or that shame of like letting people know. I, I mean, I knew it was for me in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I would rather die than tell someone I'm feeling socially anxious or overwhelmed, like, I don't know why I felt that way. I think I felt like maybe ashamed or like I should, I should have it together. I, should, oh, yeah. I shouldn't be maybe feeling this should. way, like the shoulds and the shouldn'ts of how I should and shouldn't feel. Um, but if you can let your partner know, like what a toll that took on you and, and how really exhausted you were after that and why. Maybe and then I should have left earlier. Yeah, probably. Or stepped out, took some breaks away. You Good know, time. I don't know what you tried or didn't try, but okay. that, that would be something I would add, certainly. Certainly. Maybe he went home and took an Epsom salt bath. I was just thinking that. Oh, I or even the next morning. Yeah. The next morning. That's just wipes the filth away Shower. out of my life. <laughs> Showers are good too, because sometimes I don't want to take a bath. It does take a little more time. You can take a shower with um with I use the um rock salt and put that over my Ooh. head and just, and then rub that all up all over me. Tell me more about yeah, that. I Why? Do. You got rocks in your head? What were you saying? I use that rock salt. Oh, yeah. Rub that all Good to know. I didn't know that. Yeah. I've heard something. You just buy it at the store. You don't need to buy anything special. Yeah. Just go down the, the, um, what do you call it? Like the baking aisle with the spices. Well, good to know. I didn't know that. But the other thing is, is like, light some candles, do Mm -hmm. some grounding, breathe, breathe. If you remember that you can control so much through your breathing, when we're in that anxious energy, right? We're in that shallow breath. It's like all up here. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know. And then yeah. if you can, if you can practice like that deep breath, one of the practices I do is like five breaths in, it's like bringing in five good things and then 10 breaths out, exhaling 10 negative things. And it's like, repeat that over and over again. So maybe you can actually calm yourself, get out of the head, right? Get more, more into the physical body because the body is reacting and then the head is following or vice versa. The right. thoughts are happening and then the body's following. So we were talking just uh, shavasana and um that's corpse pose for yoga and play some meditation music mm-hmm. so just just get right on 
you know, the radio. Yeah. And YouTube has wonderful yeah. chakra clearings. Yeah. They have guided meditations. Like if it's something you need a little assistance with that you're not like quite able to get to that space yeah. on your own, you can certainly do that. You know, and one of the things Diane and I was just, we were talking about, was it yesterday, maybe how COVID yes. has yes. impacted life for us as empaths. I mean, what were we saying? It's like, we had a higher tolerance than we ever realized for things. And now COVID is kind yes. of like, I was, us. I was mentioning that, um, I know now when I go out, even just to get something to eat and meet up like with another couple, if we're at a restaurant that's playing like a restaurant bar and they're playing music or there's a band there, I can't, I cannot handle the noise and I want to go somewhere else. And I said, are you sure you're not just getting old? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I threw something at her. Yes, yes, you I did. did. And it, wasn't, it, wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't Luigi. It wasn't <laughs> Luigi. Luigi, that's fine. Because I would do that. He's too cute. He's our only unpaid employee. Yes, absolutely. Our only employee. Yes, of course we don't. <laughs> we can't pay ourselves. <laughs> yes, we're working on it. We're working on it. Um, but yes, um, I, and then we talked about, you know, thanks to COVID, though, you mentioned a good point about even though we, it's called COVID-19, it really put us all at home in COVID. 2020. And, yeah. and when you think about it, when you refer to 2020, at least in, in terms of like eyesight or vision, it's like crystal clear vision. All things are in perspective, yeah. right? And so maybe it is not coincidental that COVID happened in 2020, that it does have a way. I think all of us who have gone through this and we've gone through this together, hopefully, it has reprioritized, I think, our lives, our values, yeah. how we spend our time, how we wish to spend our time, you know, and for those that really struggled through COVID, um, it was certainly going to be a push for you to become comfortable in sitting with yourself and spending time with yourself. So if you had right. struggled with that, COVID was certainly going to make that dramatically more challenging. And for those of you who didn't recognize how much you enjoyed the sanctity of being with yourself, of having that quiet space, of, of un, un charging from the world, unplugging, right? To me, it was like a blessing. Oh, I know. I, uh, I at was, first it wasn't. Well, I mean, yeah. how it evolved is obviously a blessing to me. Oh, right? I know. I meant at oh. first being stuck in the house. <laughs> I didn't mean that. Okay. It's like, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, to me, it was like, you know, I had to... I had my parents' issues. My dad was just diagnosed and was really sick. And then, you know, I'm running a business and COVID allowed me the luxury of like being able to do both, like be with my family in Pennsylvania mm -hmm. and still run my business because everything was remote. Prior to that, it was always choosing, you know, if I'm with my family, I felt guilty that I'm not at work. If I'm at work, I felt guilty. And this has kind of like forced me to reprioritize everything and including even my work itself where I'm now more virtual than I have ever been and oh, I couldn't have great. imagined a couple of years ago ever doing virtual therapy I thought oh that's okay. not possible and in some ways I find it's actually more successful for some of my clients it takes away the stress and 695 traffic and, oh, I bet. and rushing and you know being able to squeeze it in and you know their lunch break or other things during the day so and I never thought I would have gone into um distant reiki like i did in my business yeah that would, but, i would have thought that would have been impossible actually prior because of covid it was like okay i'm doing distant. i'm going to do this distant reiki and it's it's fantastic 
it's no different. So I think it's all been about the whole journey about seeing things more clearly, right? With 2020 vision. Right? And picking and choosing how we want to spend our time and what do we want to do with our time, which is how this, and I know that was one of the questions that we also got, which is how this podcast came about. But one of the questions was, um, what was that? How did the... How did you to start? Oh, get get this podcast, podcast started. started. That was from Jenny in um, Baltimore, Maryland. Yeah, and I think at some point she I, that was my dad handwriting. I'm sorry. My person's penmanship was a little flowery on that one. Um, but I think she also said like, how did you like physically actually begin to do this? And you know what, Jenny, we could do a whole podcast on how many sleepless nights and Diane god bless her because as we we've established from the beginning I'm not the technical expert so you know learning how to get the podcast running consulting with people I'm, I'm gonna give a shout out what do you think to Bridget Oppenheimer yeah yes yes Bridget Oppenheimer we love you you're amazing this this woman has volunteered her time you know, she's been our photographer. She's she's helped put together all of our videos. She's done some editing. I mean, God bless her. She's been amazing. So um, just a big shout out to Bridget. So the bottom line is, Jenny, we had a wonderful group of people who believed in our project and, and wanting to help us get the message out and help people in our very virtual world right now. And so um, that became a blessing. And here we are. And much more to learn. I think we're just refining as we are on this journey. Yeah, I think when you, yes, I'm still um, plugging along on, you know, I'm going to get us out there on Apple, Apple Podcasts. I'm going to figure that out. So I'm still plugging along. So, yeah. And until then, we're just going to have Bridget, Luigi Delfuego, and Diane and Erica. And we're signing out for today. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye.